It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Pierre Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for fan-sided and pro football weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. Like us on Facebook. Be a part of that community. I love every time I get a notification that someone else has liked Locked on Packers, that someone has commented. I'm really excited to grow that part of the community. There's a lot of crappy stuff on Facebook, and there's a lot of negativity. And right now, there's there's a lot of political rantings, and, and, and you should be engaged with as much of that as you want. But I also want to just remind you that there are also places you can go to talk about the Packers you can talk about football, and you can talk about this show. And I want Locked On Packers, the Facebook page, to be one of those places for you. Let it be a respite from all of the other stuff that's on social media that can sometimes get you down a little bit. And sometimes the Packers conversations are going to do that too. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that today. The focus of the show today is going to be on setting reasonable expectations And I'm going to go through what I think is a set of reasonable expectations for this team and and make the case both for and against this season. And you will notice that I will spend more time making the case for because I, I think that is the proper perspective to have on this season. And I understand why so many fans were not bullish on this team coming out of a 7-9 and nine season. And I understand the concerns about the scheme on offense and why some are dubious of why bringing Joe Philbin back uh, is, the, is the panacea to that. I don't think it is, but I think it can help. And I'm sure that there are plenty of fans who are rightfully concerned about talent at, at critical positions. Are these corners going to play well? Uh, is the offensive line going to hold up? What are the, what does the receiver position look like beyond Devontae Adams? These are all reasonable questions to have. But I want to point you in the direction of an article from Cheesehead TV um, by Ross Uglum. I hope I'm saying that name right. Uh, if I'm not, let me know um, because I think he's a really smart writer um, and, and does a great job covering the Packers for Cheesehead TV. He wrote a post two days ago, called People Forget. Packers move toward camp as dogs. And I think the the key line in here, the key thing to remember, is that before Rodgers had been injured, Green Bay had gone 12-2 and in their last 14 games, including two playoff wins. And their only two losses came to the Falcons, both in Atlanta and won in the NFC Championship game that by the end of 
The Packers were playing Latroy Guy on an offensive tackle. That's how banged up they were on offense. Jordy Nelson was playing with broken ribs. They, this was a shell of a team that had gone on their famous run-the-table streak. And to start the year, no, the Packers didn't look like Super Bowl contenders early on just because they weren't playing at a super high level, but they were winning games. And they beat a healthy Seahawks team in week one. Beat them handily. Dominated them, really. And they didn't look as good against Atlanta in week two. They had some secondary issues. Kevin King had to play a bigger role. But they they beat the Bengals. They beat the Bears. They beat Dallas, a healthy Cowboys team in Dallas. Remember, they beat a great Cowboys team in Dallas in the playoffs in a game that they were in full control of for most of it until the Cowboys realized Ladarius Gunter was covering Des Bryant. Well, that's not a problem this year. And so as you look around the landscape and you understand, yeah, the the Rams are better. The Eagles are better. The Vikings are probably better. But you know who else is better? Green Bay. Better by a lot than they were for most of last year. If for no other reason, then that's Aaron Rodgers. But if you think about that streak, that 12-2 and streak, and you think about the questions around this team, that's with dealing with injuries, that's with Brian Bulaga being out, that's with Dom Capers playing a Fakakta scheme, that's with subpar talent in the defensive secondary, with Demarius Randall doing whatever the hell he wants, with Quentin Rollins playing an important role, with a one-armed rookie having to play major snaps, that was with a depleted Jordy Nelson, with no tight ends, with no running game, at least in 2016, when a lot of those wins were happening. But remember, the Packers' run game didn't get on track until Aaron Jones was put in the starting lineup after Ty Montgomery got hurt. So, and and really didn't take off until Aaron Rodgers went down. And so they did all of that winning with a substandard defensive coordinator, substandard defensive talent in the secondary, a banged up offensive line, and no running game. 12-2. and two. Since 2009, so excluding the first year Aaron Rodgers was the starter, in every season in which Rodgers played a majority of games, the Packers won double-digit games. They've made the playoffs in all of those seasons. And in fact, in every season, including 2008, in which Rodgers played a majority of games, the Packers finished first in the division in DVOA. That's schedule-adjusted efficiency. This has been, and and I, I talked about it on the show, I wrote a piece for Acme Packing Company about whether or not the Aaron Rodgers versus everyone method is going to work. And I would be dubious. I said I don't think it will this year. The rest of the, the conference is too good. The division is too good. But that's not what this team is. This team is more talented than those than those other teams that were winning a bunch of games. And so I understand the pessimism from fans who look at the way that the season ended and look at Aaron Rodgers, who was probably playing something like 65 or 70% against the Panthers, 
and say, even when we had Aaron Rodgers, we weren't beating good teams and we couldn't beat Atlanta and et cetera, et cetera. Except even without Aaron Rodgers, they were beating the Saints well into the second half of a game that Brett Hundley had to start and that Devon House was playing less than 100% in. A game that Aaron Jones took over for most of the first half. And a game that, that really Dom Capers, I think, blew for them. This was a team that, without Aaron Rodgers, pushed the Pittsburgh Steelers to the brink. A team that was a Super Bowl contender last year in that 12-2 and run. With all of the deficiencies I mentioned, the Packers, in double-digit fashion, beat the Vikings and the Eagles. Now, that was the 2016 version of both of those teams. But that Eagles team had Carson Wentz. They had Doug Peterson. You can't just throw those games away. They, they count. And when you look at the improvements that this team has made, I, I think you have to look at it and say we should expect them to look more like the team that wins all the time than the team that they were at the end of last season. Now, did that reveal certain things about fundamental things about this team? I think it did. And I think you saw Brian Gutekunst address them in the offseason and Mike McCarthy addressed them in the offseason. Was, this was a soul-searching offseason for the Green Bay Packers, and rightfully so. And it could turn out to be the best thing that's happened to this team in the last five years. Before I move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. As we approach fantasy football season, you are going to want to get all of the data behind the paywall that Pro Football Focus has because you want to be the most informed you can be making decisions about your fantasy lineup. Listen, gambling is close to being legal, and it might already be legal where you are. Get the information that the pros use. Pro Football Focus has a relationship with every team in the NFL, so get the information the pros are already using and get it for free when you win our contest. And how do you win the contest? You put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and we draw someone at random. It is that easy. But it is only easy if you enter name and Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. The reopening is right around the corner and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months 
making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, but I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. So, because I I just partially made the case for the team this year, what I was trying to do is offer some context, but I, I, I think I started to make the case for this team. I think it's important to remember the context in which this season lives. It's easy to forget because of the bad taste inevitably in the mouths of fans after how the season ended. So, Let's pivot this now and look at what the red flags could be. What could trip this team up? And obviously that starts with Aaron Rodgers being healthy. I think we have to assume that he's going to be healthier this year than he was last year. He's had two collarbone injuries now, and that's that's unfortunate. But remember, the plate is still in there. It's actually stronger and less likely to break now with the plate on it. And so if he is going to play, Green Bay has a chance. There's no question about it. But there are other factors. He could have other issues. There could be, you know, he could get a concussion. I mean, there's, there's, this is true for any team that relies heavily on their quarterback, in at least most teams that rely heavily on their quarterback. Obviously, the, the Eagles had something to say about that. The Vikings had something to say about that. But this is an offense that is predicated on the success of Aaron Rodgers. Now the Packers made a move in the offseason to bolster their quarterback room to Sean Kaiser. I don't know if Brett Hundley is going to be on this team. As I've said before, I think the best case scenario for Green Bay is that Brett Hundley plays well enough in preseason that another team wants him and Green Bay can swing a trade. But if... Either Hunley or Kaiser has to play four, five, six games. That's bad news. And, you know, I hate to bring it up. I'm not really the kind of person that believes in jinxes anymore. I used to be. used to be much more superstitious than I am now. But I think the more likely question that that you should have health-wise is the state of the offensive line. Now, David Bakhtiari, throughout the course of his career, has been mostly healthy. And there was a little blip at the beginning of last season, a freak accident where he slips, does the splits, soft tissue injury. 
those things can can take time to heal, but he was still the best pass-blocking offensive tackle in football last year per pro football focus. One of the best offensive tackles, if not the best full stop in football. The, the bigger question is on the other side with Brian Bulaga. He is not cleared yet. He has not practiced in the off-season workouts or practices. He's probably going to start training camp on PUP, which means he, may not, he might not be ready to go for week one. If he's not, can the Packers go with just Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy? Now, they did sign Byron Bell. And I think if you're going to rebut this argument, that's one of the better cases that you have. Byron Bell is a legitimate NFL starter. We don't know if Spriggs or Murphy is. And so that is that was why, and I made the case on the podcast at the time, that was why that was such a big signing, even though it was not a big signing in the grand scheme of the NFL. It did not, it did not receive like a major deal. And it's, it's not because he's a preferred backup. But given who he is backing up, it's a big damn deal. But we also don't know, Justin McRae, what what he's going to look like over the course of 16 games. I think you have to be encouraged by what you saw, but he's never been a full-time starter, a preferred starter. So that's a question mark. There's injuries in the backfield to worry about. Ty Montgomery has not shown he can stay healthy. In the one season we saw from Aaron Jones, he dealt with, with some nagging injuries. And so that has to be a concern. On the defensive side of the ball, what is what is Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, what are what is their health going to look like? And does Green Bay have a reasonable backup that can come in and play extended snaps for them? Right now, I think the answer is they don't. You have to hope Vince Beagle is that guy, but we don't know if he is. And then the, the final, I think, biggest question mark is, can these young corners develop in time to give Green Bay consistent play? I don't obviously know the answer to that. Is Kevin King going to be a lot better in year two with two arms? You'd hope so, especially given his physical tools and, and given the way that Mike Patton wants to use his corners in a system that, that is much more suited to Kevin King's strengths. And you bring back Devon House and you have Tremont Williams. And so I've made the case that that could just be enough if Jair Alexander and or Josh Jackson can just be replacement level players. But we don't know. We don't know how good they're going to be or how bad. We don't know if they can stay healthy. Jair Alexander had some injury issues last year at Louisville. Josh Jackson is a one-year starter at Iowa. It is not the most proven group. And even if you think Mike Patton is going to make them better, which I do, it's hard to feel confident that they're going to be good, good to great. This is a this is a wait and see thing with the secondary. And so you put those things together, there are questions. Of course there are questions. And there's a case to be made to be pessimistic, or there are at least factors to include to say you can't just be optimistic. There has to be these other mitigating factors, and there are. This is not a 15-win team, a 16-win team. Those teams are rare. And the league is just too good right now for that. That's the final piece. The NFC is really good. 
The NFC North is very good. I don't know that the Bears are going to are going to compete for a playoff spot, but I think they'll certainly win more games. They could win 7 or 8 games. The Lions, same thing. They could win 8-9 games, maybe 10. This is this is the best division in football, I think. The NFC South might have something to say about that. It's close. I think the top of the NFC North, I think the Packers and the Vikings, along with the Eagles and the Rams, are the four best teams in the conference. I think the Saints are right there. The Falcons are right there. I don't know that the Panthers are. I think the Panthers benefited from some injuries. I think they benefited from Seattle not being up to 100% health-wise. I think they benefited from the Packers not being 100% health-wise. I think in another year, they are not the team that they were last year. But we don't know. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the NFL with Locked On NFL and as the NBA draft approaches with Locked On NBA. I know we're running out of time here, so I don't I don't want to go too long. We've got a six-week break here before training camp, and we're going to have a lot of time to discuss a lot of different kinds of things. But I want to put a bow on this case for the Packers this season. And and one of the things that I try and pride myself on when it comes to this show is not presenting a fanboy show. It is not a rose-colored glasses show. And I've said it before. I've taken a little bit of heat for that from people who have tried the podcast, who have listened to it, and felt like I was too hard on the team. What they wanted was to be made to feel better. And I I never want, fan service is one thing. But I think the best way to serve fans is to give them a realistic view of the facts as I see them. And I hope you trust me to do that. I hope you trust me to give you my, my view as unbiased as it can be. Because I don't think unbiased views in it when it comes to sports are possible. I just if you cover a team, you have views of the players, you have views of the coaches and the team, and it is it is not only hard to be unbiased. I think it's impossible to be unbiased. And more to the point, I don't think it's necessary to be unbiased. But what I will say is, this is I thought the Packers had their most talented team of recent vintage before the 2017 year. I, I said I thought that of the best teams in the NFC, I thought it was either Green Bay or Atlanta, depending on where the game was. And we didn't see the Packers play up to their potential because of injuries to Aaron Rodgers. With Aaron Rodgers, this is a good to great team. And that is something that I don't think changes. Now, the question becomes, are they as good as Philadelphia? Are they as good as L.A.? Are they as good as Minnesota? And based purely on talent, I don't know. I don't know. But it would be hard for me to pick against Green Bay in any of those games against those teams. Now, in L.A. against the Rams, that's going to be tough. In Minnesota against the Vikings, that's going to be tough. In New England, for example, against the Patriots, That's going to be tough. Every other game on the schedule, Green Bay can and probably should be favored to win. Now, they're probably not going to win all 13 games. It's just probability says probably more like 11 or 12. But that's a very good football team. 
They are not the favorites in the NFC. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think they're going to play hungry. I think this defense is going to have a huge difference in attitude and in energy and obviously in execution and scheme because I just think Mike Patton is a much better coach than Dom Capers. And so just making that change, I've said this before and I'll keep saying it, just making that change from Capers to Patton would have been enough to have me say, I feel good about this team going into next year. And then to make the changes that they did, bringing in some offensive talent. I I love the the Graham and Mercedes Lewis signings. I think this backfield is going to be very good. This is going to be an outstanding offense, a top three offense. At worst, top five. And I, I really like the position that Green Bay is in to grow defensively. It, the first time I saw Kenny Clark, Evan Silva did a write-up for Roto World about Green Bay, and it was mostly fantasy-related and, and gambling-related. But it was the first time I saw in print someone that was not directly covering the Packers point out that Kenny Clark has the chance to be the best nose tackle in football. This could be the, de- the best defensive front, at least front three, in the game. It really could with Daniels and Clark and Muhammad Wilkerson. And so you, if you look at a top five to eight run defense, and then all of a sudden it's a top 16, top 12 passing defense, it's going to be hard for the other teams in the conference to match that kind of balance. And then you throw in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what else is there to say? He's the best player in football when he's healthy. And it's hard to pick against him against anyone. He's shown he can beat anybody, even if his team is not as good. And his team is as good as just about every other team in the league this year. So this should be a very good team. An 11-12, best case scenario, I think is probably 13 wins. But that is the expectation. The expectation should be double-digit wins and a playoff berth. Beyond that, we'll see. It's too early to talk about should they be a Super Bowl contender. They they are a Super Bowl contender, but it's too early to say should they be the favorite. No, they shouldn't. The Eagles, until further notice, are the favorite. And then I think the Rams, Vikings, Packers, and Saints are in the next tier as pushing to get into that mix. And that's fine. If you're the Packers, that is a good place to be. All right, we're going to do our questions show on on friday our our mailbag show so so send in questions you can post them on facebook the locked on packers facebook feed you can post them on twitter at peter underscore bukowski or at locked on packers i love to interact with the fans so please send me your questions some of you have have sent me dms and i have tried to respond to them as quickly as possible engage in conversation with you i want this show to be more than just a conversation where i'm speaking I want it to be more than just a monologue. That's why I like to have guests. It's why I like to to engage on social media, as ugly as social media can be sometimes. That's all there. There is tons of writing coming out. I have a piece coming out talking about uh, one of my favorite plays from the season, but Acme Packing Company is doing that series all week. There's stuff going at Fansided. There is stuff going at Pro Football Weekly. It is all there so you can follow your favorite team. So you can stay engaged. So you can stay locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network. But why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NHL team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app 
And be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 